0: This is a Hot Pie original. Hey there, welcome back to part two of This Ain't Your Daddy's Porn on the Inhumane podcast, a Hot Pie media production. So I really want to make sure that y'all go back and listen to part one um, of of this episode. It is really gives you kind of like the foundation of what we're talking about and pornography and human trafficking. And I really want to preface again, with you please watch this with or listen to it with children outside of you know not in the room not present um as well as it may trigger a lot of emotion and feelings and trauma for certain people so please pause um take a break go do some breath work do some yoga anything along those lines but i do ask for you not to stop listening altogether because you know in society we definitely human trafficking, the anti-human trafficking, um, movement is such a raw place and it tells us the ugly truth about people in our world and we don't want to hear it and we get burnt out. Um, but we need, we need help in this crime against humanity. I need your help. So let's take care of ourselves when we listen to these things. Um, and let's go ahead and, and jump right in. Okay, so we have been discussing you know the relationship with pornography and human trafficking. And pornography, just plain and simple, fuels the demand for trafficking women, children, boys into prostitution and men. plain that's just it. And I know there's a huge debate about it. Um, A lot of people who see nothing wrong with pornography don't and cannot make those connections. So I'm trying to do that here as well as really show just the effects of pornography, period, right? That pop culture doesn't want to talk about it. And I have a personal mission. And one of my personal missions is to eradicate human trafficking, (laughs) Now, many in the anti-human trafficking space, specialists, um, as well as people who who just find out about human trafficking and understand how big this industry and how dark this industry is, um, they believe that goal is absolutely impossible. <laughs> uh, but I feel that if we can fight the demand, if we fight the demand. I know we can achieve this impossible goal, and parts of de- of stopping the demand is talking about pornography and stopping it, um, putting a lot more regular, maybe enforce the laws that really are kind of already in place, um, and protect. And I think if we protect the individuals with with outreach, with all kinds of other um, resources and tools. I, I know we can do it. Okay. So this is really about stopping, uh, stopping the demand and pornography is definitely one of them. And unlike porn in the past, right? Like I mentioned about Marilyn Monroe kind of days, like pre-internet, um, porn is now absolutely normalized. It's completely normalized. Um, it's, it's, you know, everywhere in pop culture, it's in movies, it's in television, it's in TV series, it's an advertisement. And it's like, you can't escape it because they've normalized it and we've accepted it. Now we could escape it if we said, shame on you. We're not going to buy your product anymore. We do it for all kinds of other things. Yet, we won't, like, look at 2020. That's exactly what people did. And all of these companies drawn on board. They put black squares all over their social media. Yet we can't do that for porn because we've made porn sexy, right? We've made porn cool. And we've said that that's okay. Like, I kind of almost think about the Super Bowl and I I honestly can't remember which Super Bowl was, but it was Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson. And at the end, he, they say it was an accident, but where his hand went and, you know, and it removed one top and one, one breast was out, right? And, and, and her nipple was covered, which almost tells me that again, it was planned, but there was a lot of flack for that because it's the Super Bowl, right? The Super Bowl and all these kids are watching and people were not happy about that. And there was some apologies made, like society was not okay, but they decided to push the limits there and they really didn't get like that much flack, right. That their careers tanked, that didn't happen. So I'm wondering when it is right. Because the internet is changing the nature of porn. It's, it's more definitely more accessible. I mean uh, it's by the click of a button, right. It's accessible. So you see all these pictures and videos of like, you know, two-year-olds or three-year-olds clicking buttons and they know what to do. So a click of a button, if an ad were to pop up for them, boom, they'd have those images. That's accessible. It is. It's definitely affordable. Shoot, it's, pra- it's practically free, right? In a lot of capacities. So it's accessible. It's affordable. Um, and it's definitely anonymous. So everybody in the world can literally participate because it's anonymous, right? You don't have to put your real screen name up there. Um, They make it so that you can be super secretive, Um, you know, but I always believe like what you do in the dark will come, you know, come to light. And I just, I guess I just question, you know, society and when are we going to say enough is enough when we find out when literally the community finds out that this is the new drug and this is like the new cocaine, but I think it's way worse than, than cocaine. So think, and, but look at the similarities first, right? So cocaine, especially like in the eighties, um, seventies and eighties, like cocaine was sexy, and everyone wanted to do it. It was cool. It was in all the clubs. Yeah, you did hard time for it. There was a lot of killings, right? Drug wars happening. But here in the U.S., specifically, you had doctors, you had politicians, you had actors, actresses, all doing cocaine. You had teachers, you had house moms. It was everywhere, right? It made you look good. It made you look cool. You, uh, you know, like I said, they made it very, very sexy. The difference between the old drug and the new drug cocaine and the new drug pornography is there is no age limit. <laughs> so I think with cocaine, one the expensive cocaine it was adults. You you didn't see that many kids doing it. Then it turned into something else, right? Not really cocaine, but something else that was cheaper and, you know, less quality. So kids couldn't get their hands that much on on cocaine. Um and they weren't producers of it. So right now the young are in these films. People pay to see sex happening, to see rape happening with, with children. They're paying for that. So this is on a whole other level. Whole other level than, than cocaine. But we've made porn super sexy. And we've normalized it all over the place. Um, I mean, I know the SEC is getting a little bit of flack of what just happened in the Grammys with um, what's her name? Cardi B. Like kids are watching it. This is on this isn't cable. Right. This isn't like paid for kind of cable. And yet there is a stripper pole. She's talking about her WAP, like just plain day. This is how we normalize. This is how we normalize pornography. So we think, well, I'm not going to a porn site. However, we're saying it's okay. We're saying it's okay that these kids are, um, you know, a part of this part of these movies, part of these shows. And it's running absolutely rampant. Um, And we're realizing, well, that's one of the points of this show is (laughs) realizing that pornography is absolutely 100% addictive. It pumps that dopamine into your brain, your receptors kind of die off and they need more and more and more. They need a bigger high. They need more of a high, and so it takes them to all of these other, you know, avenues. And so that reward system, right in your brain is so jacked up. It's so jacked up that you have to stimulate other emotions and so other emotions maybe like fear or disgust um or shock or surprise and pornography has all of those genres they have all of those genres to feed that craving that addictive craving that has been built up in your in your brain right so um i want to talk a little bit about the social effects that happen um you know, when you are a active user of, or watcher of pornography. So one is really the inability to connect with your, uh, romantic or sexual partner. Like that's just, you're not able to do that. And, and think why, right. That should be pretty obvious. You're that person can't please you or pleasure you. You're getting the pleasing and the pleasuring over here on a screen, right. And that individual may do some things that you saw in porn, but that was probably at level one. More than likely, they're not going to do the level five and the level 10 that you're at. So how are you going to have that deep connection with them, right? That's going to be absolutely removed. Um, And then, so your relationships, you're just going through like relationship after relationship, um, right? There's... I can't remember the number. I'll probably have to say that on another episode, but there, how much adultery is connected with an addiction to porn. And this is why divorces is another reason why divorce is happening. We just kind of see adultery and we put that all just like in one bucket and not realizing that porn is, is part of that bucket. Okay. So that's another really, really big piece. And you're just going through relationship after after relationship Um, Inability ability to get involved in like social settings because you have that compulsive need to consume porn. So, for example, right, um, our spring is coming around. Uh, It'll be like 70, I think, 75 degrees here in Austin, Texas. And um, I'm starting to see like my neighbors are the people starting to take their boats out. So. Someone who's addicted to porn, you know, they're invited like, hey, we're going to be on the lake all day. Yeah, I can't go out there all day because, yes, they're seeing women in bikinis and that are half naked, but that's not pleasurable anymore. They got to go back right now. Granted, they do have their cell phone, but depending on the group that they're with, they could be looking at porn right there on the boat or they're going to have to go home and do it. Right. So they can't even have this normal social connection with just their regular people, their family, their friends, not just, it doesn't affect just their intimate or sexual partner. Um, Developing, oh, there's a lot of research on people who are watching porn that they're developing like this um, aggression and negative harmful like sexual patterns. Um, <laughs> so think about that. Negative, harmful, sexual patterns, negative, harmful, sexual patterns like that should be that should be frightening. That should be frightening not only to the partner, but to the individual who's consuming. But if that dopamine is kicking in and, and there's pleasure, they may not be seeing the negative, the negative parts. Right. They're not seeing the negative patterns that are starting to happen, um, you know, in their brain. So there's two more I want to I want to tell you the demand of sexual exploitation starts to increase and the increased intent to commit rape or not intervene increases of rape. So in other words they see it happening and they're just not going to intervene. So here's this one um this this one study out of 193 cases of rape. And this happened here in, in the US, okay? So it's just one this one little this one little segment so out of 193 cases of rape 24% mentioned allusions to pornographic material on the part of the rapist this is what's what's more significant is you, when you understand the magnitude is that these comments were made by the respondents without any solicitation or reference to issues of pornography by the interview interviewer. So the law enforcement or forensic interviewer is interviewing them and they're the ones the assailant is saying how they had these pornographic images while they were committing the rape or the reason for it. Right. Like that's just wicked. Um, so the assailant referred to pornographic materials he had seen or read and then insisted. Insisted that the victims not only and not only enjoyed the rape while it was happening, but they also enjoyed the extreme violence that took place as well. <sighs> so this is what this is. Some may say this is the extreme of of pornography. Um Yes, it doesn't tell me, of course, you know, what level these individuals like what genres were they looking at of, of pornography, how deep, how long. Of course, this particular study doesn't tell me that. But regardless, if rape is happening and 24 percent are saying uh, that they were picturing their their images when they were watching porn and to believe that these women enjoyed it, they enjoyed being raped and they enjoyed the violence because that is what porn is telling them. That is what porn is showing them, right? Now, an FBI study, okay, this is made by the FBI researchers, 36 serial killers, 36 serial killers revealed that 29 were attracted to porn and incorporated it in their sexual activity, which included serial rape murder, serial rape murder. Um, this is, of course, their findings, right? <clears throat> and a retired lieutenant commander out of out of New York he in regards to one of these cases he said this case involved a serial killer who was killing prostitutes so another trigger another trigger warning and the significance of fantasy in this case was graphically revealed when detectives went to the killer's home and retrieved a number of items which included obviously pornographic video videotapes and it contains scenes within those pornographic videos that were very similar to what the offender was doing to his victims. So if you watch part one and if you haven't, please go back, because there is a story of a human trafficking survivor stating that the victims, the captors and sex buyers uh, get ideas from watching porn. They just do. And it's often violent. Um, it forces victims to recreate acts that they seem they, they watch being performed, right? How do we still not think that it's related? How do we not think that porn does not fuel human trafficking, force, fraud, and coercion, right? Force, fraud, and coercion. Now, there's also a huge myth that, um, Pornography doesn't cause violence. Hundreds of international studies, literally across the board, link porn consumption to increased sexual uh, aggression. And so this research is talking about, right, objectifying and exploiting women, um, degrading women. And it all exists in scenes where there is explicit Physical violence within these within these videos. Um, there is a famous uh, a porn actress, ex porn actress Jenna Jameson. She's extremely famous, one of the famous of all time, and she, yeah, she speaks out a lot now about um, the horrors of the adult film industry, and she stated that when she was looking at one of her, her pictures and she remembered this scene, you know, distinctly, um, she thought she was making a face that I guess seemed like she was enjoying it. And um, I'm sure when someone's watching it, they're thinking the same thing. And in reality, she was just in complete agony, like complete agony because of how Physically violent, it was. So that again should tell you it's an illusion, right? They've been giving us this this illusion um, that porn is not violent, that it's natural, that it's healthy, um, and yet the science and the research is telling us the complete opposite. It's addictive, just like a drug. And if we're saying that drugs are bad and it's literally corrupting the brain, then how do we not fight it and saying the same when it comes to to, to pornography, right? Just like a heroin addict and their relationships are in the toilet because they're stealing, they're, they're cheating, they're, uh, they need that other high. Well, porn is doing the same thing. It's affecting relationships. Maybe they just look different. Right. They just look different. And we think that individual is a healthy individual until you start looking at their porn sites and seeing what it is that they're actually looking at. Right. Now, all of these studies right, that I continue to, to read and research and I mention, they all continue to tell me something that I've always been taught, which is you become what you watch you become what you watch. Now I'm a real, you know, I'm, I'm a big spiritual being. I don't know what higher power you believe in, or if you believe in, in, in anything at all, but I get asked the question all the time when someone discovers or we're, you know, I'm doing a presentation or, or speaking and they say, how do you sleep at night? (laughs) You must have horrible nightmares. Like, how do you sleep at night knowing these stories, speaking with, um, you know, with survivors and them sharing what has happened to them, uh, researching porn? Like, how do you sleep at night? I'll tell you because I, I believe in God. I am. I pray it up. So, before I walk into my office, before I turn on my computer where I know I am going to, you know, research these things about pornography, when I'm going to get on a call with a survivor and, um, or a victim of human trafficking and hear these stories, I pray it up. That is, that is my. Way right to protect my eyes, protect my ears, protect my heart, protect my brain, um, because this is very very dark things. Also, you know, I definitely don't want to get burnt out. I don't want to uh, lose my empathy and my compassion and be desensitized because that happens a lot. We see that with law enforcement and we see that in the medical field. Right, they become desensitized, and that is not something I I want for myself now. I can't watch scary movies. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm a big sissy. I have nightmares. It is, it's just bad news bears for me. (laughs) Yet I can sleep soundly after all this research about porn and these horrific stories of talking to someone. um, And I can sleep because I am asking for that, you know, that protection. I'm doing what I need to do to, to stay mentally and spiritually healthy. I don't even think that if you asked your higher being, if you asked God, if you asked whatever a crystal, whatever it is that you believe in to protect you as you watch porn, that that's going to change anything. I, I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it will. Um, but I could, I could be wrong. And it really, it reminds me of, there's this movie a while back. Uh, it's a nineties movie and it's called eight millimeter and it's with Nicholas cage. And, uh, Basically, the synopsis is he's a private eye and this extremely wealthy woman. She becomes a widow. She finds a snuff film in her husband's, uh, you know, like safe. And this snuff film, that that means it's a it's a pornographic film. But it's like done like very in, in the dark. Um, there's torture going on. And this individual seems to have been murdered on the film and she's not sure if it's real or it's not real. So she has him investigate it. Um, so he's treating it, Nicholas Cage, just like a normal case going following leads so on and so forth. But he gets so deep and so consumed with, I don't think just finding if this really happened, but he's watching that film over and over and over and over and over again, he begins to um, move like kind of away from his wife, his newborn child. Like those relationships are, are starting to get cut off right. Little by little, but they start to get come off and he's getting desensitized over here. And he's so consumed with, with this over here. Like I said, I think it's a combination of both of finding the killer, but also of that snuff film. Um, and it it's literally destroying right destroying his life, and in real life, it's destroying people's lives and in reality, gotta go back that pop culture and mainstream media will debate me all day long and say, well, on Twitter, with that comment right there, you're demonizing you know pornography um, and not all human trafficking victims are you know experiencing that more than likely. More likely they are. <laughs> um, we just heard that you know from another right, another individual stating that that is literally um, the issue. They're, they're going to tell me that it's a choice and that it's natural. but it's a, it's a contradiction again, right? On one hand we're saying well pornography is a fantasy um, and fantasies are are safe, but the statistics and the repercussions are not safe. That's actually telling us the opposite. Um, There was another, did I, I want to see if I, uh, I saved, I saved it. Um, I don't think I did. Oh, here it is. So on another research here, here is what a man, a man stated, he said, I started watching out, I, I started out watching porn. And the next thing I know I don't know how much time has passed of how long I've been watching porn but now I'm in now I'm in my car looking for the real thing. And looking for the real thing is I just want them to perform what I saw, right? On my on my pornographic videos. So we think that because we're watching things behind our webcam that we're never going to go look for it. So the demand is twofold here, right? When I say that pornography fuels Uh, you know, human trafficking. So here we think, well, we're just watching it behind our screen. I'm not acting upon it, but that dopamine, right? Like I said, it's hijacking you. You're eventually going to need to fill that need. And again, you're not going to ask your wife, your girlfriend to do it, especially when you're at that level. So you got to go find someone to do it. And more than likely that person, that prostitute, because we know, Prostitutes are huge, huge victims of human trafficking. Not all, but majority. That's where you're gonna go feel fill that pleasure. So I guess my question for everybody and, and the thought that I want to leave with you is: will porn be less sexy? Will it be less talked about if we, the community, understand really what porn is doing to our brains, what it's doing to our relationships, um, what it's doing to exploit and traffic women, children, men, boys, because it's not just women, right? <laughs> then, then can we fight it, Right. Then we'll be be okay to tell these businesses it's not okay for you to exploit, you know, women like that. It's not okay for you to um, basically have all of these porn scenes in just a regular movie, like more times than none. That's why I'm so over. Like, I don't go to the movies anymore. I haven't done that in years because every time I watch something, I'm like, what was the purpose? what was the purpose of putting that part in the movie? The movie was doing great until he decided to put that part in there. What was the reason behind it? There was no reason. The only reason is to normalize pornography. That's why they're putting it in there. Because now it's across, right? It's across the, across the board, even in advertisement. It's everywhere. And the only way they'll stop it is if we tell them to, because we saw that in 2020. You saw that in 2020 with Black Lives Matter, all of these companies put a black square on their, you know, on their company's social media and they stood in solidarity, right? Well, where are they when it comes to porn? Where are they knowing that children are being raped and being sold across all of these porn websites? Where are they when these teens, right? Like pfft, I mean, really, teenagers, we were all there before. So we all know we made really stupid choices. Stupid choices because that prefrontal force, right? It is not, it's not developed. So that's hence why we're under the age still. We can't make those decisions on our own. But when are these companies and when is the community and society going to say, nope, not anymore, right? Not anymore, stop advertising, stop marketing, stop allowing access to all of these younger, younger people. When are we going to do that? And when are people going to, when is the law going to be enforced? Because it's already there of these kids being, being raped. And those videos are up there online. When, when is that going to happen? Well, first we have to get um, knowledgeable about pornography and we have to be able to talk about it. So I think it was my very first episode here. And I've, and I've mentioned it on a f- quite a few different platforms is I was never comfortable ever saying the word porn. Like it was, it was taboo. It's my age group. I couldn't say the word pornography or porn. Never, couldn't, 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 couldn't do it. I had to get very comfortable with being uncomfortable and saying it so that we can change the conversation right? So we can change the narrative because right now they're writing that narrative and saying that it's okay. Um, women, let me see, women, children, men, all of us, all of them are being forced. There's fraud and there's coercion. There is violence across the board when it comes to, uh, pornography, Even there are a few, I know that that's like a genre they're trying to push that there's no violence in there. um, And it's like liberating for women. It's very tiny compared to the rest of the genres. So there is a, uh, I'm going to just read you Victoria's story. Okay. She's an ex-porn actress. I've been working as a stripper when Ted approached me. Uh, approached some of us about doing porn. I would get paid and was promised that I wouldn't have to do anything that I didn't want to do. They had me fill out paper, a, a paper listing um, all the things that I was not comfortable with. Top of my list was that I didn't want to have sex with more than one man during the shoot. When I arrived on the set, my first shoot after being given drugs and alcohol by my by Ted to celebrate my first film, I found out that I was the only woman in a group of many men. They told me that I would have to have sex with all of them. And when I refused, they told me I was in breach of my contract and that they would take legal action against me. After the third man, I insisted I couldn't go any further. Again, another trigger, trigger warning. I was then gang raped and told nobody would ever believe me. So in Victoria's story, you heard force, fraud, and coercion force, fraud, and coercion in an industry that she willingly went to. But once that we've been told, right, especially with that Me Too movement that just happened a couple years ago when um, it's died off in a lot of ways is she may have given you consent at first, but if there wasn't consent after, then there we go. Right. And so you hear that force, fraud, and coercion. And the message is very clear listening to this story that if prostitution is the main act, then pornography is the dress rehearsal. And I and I borrowed that from somebody and I don't remember who, I've been saying it for a long time, but if prostitution is the main act, then porn is the dress rehearsal. So the call to action for this episode is, I really implore you to look up the negative effects of pornography on the brain you'll see images on how it completely destroys the brain. A healthy brain to actually a drug uh, addicted brain and then pornography and it's way worse. So I implore you to look at that. That's the first call to action. And the second is, you know, change that mindset that porn is not normal. It's not normal and we need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable, right? Um. As I mentioned, I mean, one of the things that's a little uncomfortable for me, but I'm comfortable with getting uncomfortable is when I talk to churches about pornography. So all day long, pop culture is talking about it and it's telling us that it's normal. And then you have this other side, right? That isn't talking about it. And we have to talk about it. (laughs) We have to talk about it because they're feeding the narrative. This side is feeding the narrative, And I'm not saying that this side is better than this side or this side is better than that side. That's not what I'm getting at. What I'm just trying to say is too many people are left out of this conversation And we don't want to have the conversation because it gives us a yucky, gross feeling. But if we want to eradicate human trafficking and we don't want women to be exploited and we don't want children to be raped and we don't want men to be exploited either and and them trafficked, then we have to stop the demand. And stopping that demand starts with pornography because that is the dress rehearsal, right? Have to stop it. So we can't ignore anymore what is happening and what we need to do to protect our children and our society. So I promise you, if you look up um, the negative effects of porn on the brain, you're not going to get all these porn sites. Like it, because that's not what you're looking. You're looking like for academia. So the, that will, that will come up. Just make sure you read it carefully. Um, but that is safe from everything that I've done in research. Nothing bad will pop up on your, on your computer. Rest, rest, at least you can rest assured with that. Um, and let's change our mindset about pornography. Okay. It's, it's not normal at all whatsoever. So Thanks so much for listening and um, I look forward to the next episode with you. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. You can find more episodes and all other Hot Pie Media originals baked fresh daily at our home on the web at hotpiemedia.com, the Hot Pie Media YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.